Hello, and welcome back to another episode of International Immersion, a podcast where we seek to capture the various elements of people, places, events, culture, and the other aspects that make this world an amazing and wonderful place. For this episode, this is going to be the discussion portion of the Mountain Sing Book Discussion, a collaborative event hosted between International Immersion Podcast and the Viet Sisters Group in the United States, where we sit down and discuss with the author, Ms. Q Mai, her new book, The Mountain Sing, which has become a bestseller. Therefore, I hope you get a lot of useful information and enjoy the episode. Uh, just beginning with, I'd like to say hello and like to welcome uh, everyone to a special collaborative uh, book discussion and Q&A event hosted by International Immersion Podcast and the Viet Sisters Group in the U.S. Uh, my name is Sean Severson, and I am the host and producer of International Immersion Podcast. And uh, this event has been some time in the making, and I know me, uh, Ru, and this uh, QMI are very happy to put this together, and we put a lot of work and effort into it, and it's great to see so many people here tonight, and I'm very excited uh, that we can all be here and do this. So um, for this event, we are excited to host a very special guest, as you can imagine, who has produced some very captivating literary works recently, and they have also gained rapid popularity. Um, specifically, the focus of tonight's discussion will be on her, one of her latest works, uh, the book, The Mountain Sing. And another thing, um, our guests will be offering two special gifts um, throughout, the, throughout this uh, event tonight. The first will be at, just before the Q&A, and the last one will be towards the end. And then um, just a note for everyone for tonight's uh, event, um, for the first half of the program, uh, if you want to keep your uh, cameras off and muted, that will be for the discussion part where uh, we'll be talking with Ms. Kiyomaya about the book and, some, and give, providing her some questions to answer. Also, uh, if you wouldn't mind keeping your uh, speakers muted to prevent any unnecessary sound in the background, that would be great. And then when we do move to the... Um, Q and A session. We then welcome people to unmute themselves and then uh, also turn their cameras on if they want to uh, pose questions. And we'll give you some more information when we get to there. But and also, as everyone is aware of um, from the uh, registration link that we sent out, uh, this event is being recorded, but only the audio is going to be used um, to be uploaded to the, my podcast later. So if you have any questions on that, we'll gladly answer that. But that's pretty straightforward. And um, with that, without further ado, I'd like to turn it over to uh, my other co-host this evening, Ms. Vu Du. Vu, it's great to have you here tonight. Thank you, Sean. Um, good evening, everyone, and good morning to those who are joining from Asia. We have Ms. Gui Mai joining us from Jakarta, Indonesia, and we know that a few friends from Ho Chi Minh City, Hanoi, and um, in Vietnam also joining us tonight. So my name is Vu Do, and I am at this event representing Viet Sisters in the U.S., which is a support group focusing on women happiness and empowerment. Some of my friends in the Viet Sister groups are only here tonight, so we're going to uh, say hi later with them between um, them and Ms. Huy Mai as well as other part of the audience. So I was born and raised in Vietnam um, until 2015. I went to the U.S. for my graduate education. I then met Joel, um, a Southern Illinois native who never been to Vietnam so since we were together and uh, getting married, we spent a lot of time um, chit chat and hang out and read book and watch media about Vietnam so that Joe can have a chance to know more about our country, people, history and culture. Um, we usually have a habit like on Friday and Saturday night, we have weekend movies night. And a lot of time we're gonna watch a Vietnam War movie. We cover a lot like um, the Vietnam War by Ken Burns, Oliver Stone movie like Platoon and Heaven on Earth. But um, within the process, I also noticed one thing. We don't have a whole lot of movies about Vietnam in English make or created by Vietnamese. So from the moving process, we also, um, myself and my husband, look for books and other titled media to read and discuss about Vietnam. We got to know a few Vietnamese-American um, author who wrote about Vietnam in English, like Miss Lily Hayslip, and a name like um, Mr. Viet Thanh Nguyen, who was a Pulitzer winner, also a friend of Miss Nguyen Phan Quay Mai. But we think that process, again, I can't kind of refer to myself that when I shared for books and media, we found so many things writing about Vietnam in English, but from 
people come from the US or the international um, creative uh, community. So when we, even in the US, when I talk with my friends, people can talk and they know about the things they carried written by Tim O'Brien or Born on the Fourth of July by Ron Covet, but not many of them know about a Vietnamese author who writing about our Vietnam, our history and our people. Or if they do, some of the Vietnamese American get some acclamation and reviews, but it's not as highly as other American as well as international writer. Then it came the mountain thing that make us feel so proud. Um, I first knew Ms. Kwe Mai, the author, actually back in 2014, through a friend in a creative writer community in Vietnam introduced me to her. And I read a book uh, that she wrote, From the Snow to the Sun. It is a beautiful collection of um, traveling stories that Kwe Mai wrote through her traveling experience from country and continents. I also admire her pretty much because she was a philanthropist that care so much about children and unfortunate people in Vietnam. She spent so much of her time dedicated to nonprofit and charitable work when she and her husband and family lived in Vietnam. I can resonate pretty much to that um, with her creative work and philanthropy. In October, um, when my husband did a, a biking trip across the state to raise funds for our nonprofit organization, he, during the day when he rode the bike in the trail, I feel like I uh, spending time driving along supporting him, but it's like I was I myself was riding on an emotional train as well because I spent pretty much time reading the mountain thing. This book tells a story of a Vietnamese family through French colonial time, through the Greek famine in Vietnam in the 40s, through the cruel land reform set out by the communist government, which I can also relate because my maternal grandfather was a victim of this cruel policy when he lost all of his property to the communist government back then. And she also wrote about the Vietnam War. I cried and smiled so much reading the book. There was so much pain, yet so much beauty as well. There was love from one to another. There was our beautiful Vietnamese tradition. There was the courage and bravery of women living in such society and time and the meaning of families. It's all written in a very lively yet poetic manner. So I'm so grateful for the book and the author, Ms. Nguyen Phan Nguyen Mai. And here she is with us tonight. So let's welcome her to give her some of the introduction and narrative about her own self and her creative journey that brought her here to us. Thank you. Chị Quyên Mai. Thank you so much, Vũ. I'm speechless. I did not know that you had read my writing in Vietnamese. I had no idea because we came into, we got to know each other when you messaged me when you read the mountain thing. So I had no idea you had known me before. This is so amazing with this book because I have found so many brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, I feel at home here in this uh, discussion and thank you so much, Sean, who's now my brother also. I, I love your introduction of, of the program and thank you for both to both of you for many hours you have worked on putting this together and your initiative. So, you know, uh, Vũ said something about the missing of Vietnamese voices in, in literature, which has written in, um, about Vietnam. And I, I just, today I read an article uh, uh, published on the New York Times that five, only 5% 5 of all literature published in English in the United States so far has been written by writers of color. Only 5%. And you can imagine many years ago, you know, authors of color had no chance to publish. So, you know, my, my book can only be possible without right, Vietnamese writers who have led the way. Writers that Vũ mentioned, writers like Viet Thanh Nguyen, Ocean Vuong, Lê Hazley, people who had fought so hard for our voices to be heard. And, you know, like um, I also read so many books about Vietnam, but I was frustrated because I did not see 
you know, own voice stories. I did not see, uh, you know, uh, stories written from women's perspective. And Vietnamese women in Vietnam War literature, uh, you know, are often seen as prostitutes, you know, as those absent of trauma, as as, as victims and uh, absent of agency. And, you know, the very, um, the very uh, popular Miss Saigon, for example, represents Kim as someone who needs to be rescued by American men, you know? And this contradicts, uh, you know, um, the, 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 the reality that I experienced growing up in Vietnam. Like Vũ, you know, I spent, uh, you know, most of my life in Vietnam and I was surrounded by women who, who had to bear the burden of our history and who had to become pillars for returning soldiers, who had to raise their children and keep moving forward and had to live with the decisions that they had to make. And, you know, throughout our histories, mothers had to separate their kids. You know, if you talk to uh, both people who have left Vietnam, some of them actually had to make the decision of leaving children behind or, or putting family members on different boats so that they could survive. And, um, you know, in the book, I documented, you know, the journey of Grandma Ziu Lan when she uh, fled the land reform. And it is inspired by, by real life stories. My, one of my best friends told me about her grandma that during the land reform, she had been persecuted and her family members were killed. And then she had to escape with her many children, otherwise she would be killed. So, you know, she had no means of survival. So like in the book, she had to leave one child after another along the way. And as, and as the mother myself, you know, I know how difficult it was for her to make such a decision. So, so this book is, um, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky that this book got published by, you know, a great publisher who, whose whole team championed my book. And I want to share that, you know, this book was rejected by many, many publishers. They said the story is too difficult. To, to, you know, like, you know, because there's brutality of war in there. And I, I did not want to censor my writing in this book. I wanted to confront the horror of war to call for peace. And, you know, there were editors, they said, you know, it's too hard for our readers. But, you know, and, but my agent is just so amazing. I have an amazing agent who, who really believed in this book. And when she, she found editors who were really interested, and then she told me, go, let's go with someone who really believed in your book. Because this is not a book that, you know, this is a, so, so she said, let's go for Argon Queen, even though they are small publisher, because the editor is the one, you know, all the editors who were interested in the book, they wrote me email, they asked me questions if I wrote first in Vietnamese and translated into English or my creative process. But this editor said, I want to call you and talk to you. So she spent more than an hour on the phone with me. You know, and after talking to her, I knew she was the right person because I needed the, the, the right person to champion this book. Otherwise, it would be lost. So I have so much to share about this book, but I'm just grateful that it's here. And I'm, I, I re am really grateful for your readership and your support. You know, thank you, Ms. Kima. That was very, I mean, very captivating and, you know, I, it's really neat to see, you know, just from discussing like how you, what, you know, your mindset of going into writing this book and like, you know, you're not wanting to shy away from, you know, you want wanting to tell how things are the way they happened. And, you know, as they say, you know, not sugarcoat it. And I think a great quote that kind of comes, that kind of goes with that is by um, one of our American civil war general Williams comes to Sherman, it means war is hell. And you have to be very, if you want to carry that story on and you, for future generations to learn and not to make the same mistakes of the past, they need to be confronted by the horrors of that because people don't wanna repeat things that are terrible, but as, they, as time progresses, the lessons of the past continuously are forgotten and you can see things repeat again and again and again, manifesting in new ways around the world. And, that, and clearly you can see that today in many countries, unfortunately.
Yeah, you know, when I was growing up in Vietnam, I, I look at the devastation around me. And I think I was eight years old at, at that time. And I told myself the human race would not be so stupid as to wage another war on earth. I told myself, just look around me, just look at this. Could anyone, you know, want to wage war again? And I, you know, now I know that I'm so naive because we keep giving reasons to start another war. You know, and the war nowadays are not about, you know, the war nowadays is just about, you know, uh, um, uh, do uh, using drones to drop bombs onto people. You know, it's, you know, it's just so much horror. And I was doing some research um, about, you know, the statistics um, of, of, of bombs and of Agent Orange drop onto Vietnam the numbers just blew my mind away, you know. There was so much irresponsibility there that, that still need to be rectified. And I don't think there is enough work done because I, I you know, Vu uh, mentioned about my work uh, with, you know, with the people, disadvantaged people in Vietnam. You know, I volunteered and worked at the orphanages where um, there are many age, um, victims of Asian Orange are kept there and many kids are highly disabled and there's so little uh, health care provided for them and you know I, I think they are the forgotten victims of the war I met this mother who had no means of supporting her child her husband had died because of Agent Orange and her and, and her child is highly disabled and she had no choice but to leave that child in that orphanage. And she cried to me, you know, and she said, you know, I, I don't know how I can, you know, I'm a mother, I love my child. So yeah, at, you know, and people still die in Vietnam until today because of unexploded bombs, you know, and the world just move on. We just cause another war and we leave a lot of things unresolved. And, and, and I don't know. And I was talking yesterday to writer um, Kim, um, Kim Thuy. Um, I highly recommend her books, uh, um, Ru, uh, Man and V. And she just uh, wrote another book called um, M. Um, so I just typed in the um, conversation, her name, Kim Thuy and um, Ru. Okay. Um, Kim Thuy and her novel is Rue, it's so beautiful. And this novel is about, you know, um, the life of, um, of a refugee, but she, she and I work, um, put the Vietnamese stories on the center stage because I feel like literature about Vietnam has, has put the American voices on the center stage. We are just backgrounds to the American stories, you know, but in, within the Vietnamese community, um, there's still so many unresolved issues. You know, Vietnamese, many Vietnamese who left Vietnam have not returned to Vietnam. They think they lost the country to the communists. Many Vietnamese um, who live inside Vietnam look at Vietnamese who fled as traitors. You know, so we still have so much to do to bring our community together. And I wanted to write this book, you know, for Vietnamese people so that, you know, we look, we un because some uh, diasporic Vietnamese told me when they first started to read this book, it's really hard because it's told in the voices of Northerners. And people who fled Vietnam are normally, you know, Southern Vietnamese, and they did not know, they did not normally look at stories from the other perspective. So with this book, I, I would really love for all Vietnamese to love to look at each other's perspective and understand our decisions and, and, and why we are here today so that we, we can discuss, we can inquire further into our history and we can come together and heal together. Very good words and I think <clears throat> very good points must be considered and that leads us into our next point where we can kind of explore these things and that is um, some of the questions that have, we've been pre we prepared for tonight's event to kind of delve into your book and kind of uh, get into some of the deeper details um, on the key points. So to begin with, I'll, um, the first question that we have for you tonight is, um, you know, this book covers nearly a century of Vietnamese history and events 
So, I mean, what did you have to do in terms of research and creativity to write this book and craft the amazing personal story that you've used to present it in? So I, I think I have researched for this novel my entire life because I, um, I grew up, uh, I was born and spent, um, you know, some years of my life first in the north of Vietnam. And then I grew up in the south of Vietnam. And, you know, like I have always loved to talk to people. So, you know, I have... Uh, I have kept my diary, uh, you know, um, and, and I love listening to people. And then um, I later on, I worked with a lot of these Adventist groups. So I traveled to all parts of Vietnam. So my first type of research is, is like, um, you know, like oral stories. I, I, I interviewed people. I mean, this book is like born out of conversations I had on rice fields. At, at dinner table, uh, dinner tables, you know, in kitchens. I love to go into people's home, at acquaintances of my parents and cook with the elderly people and talk with them. Um, yeah, but I also um, did a lot of research, um, you know, in at the archives. I traveled to, to the US, um, you know, to Laos, Cambodia, look, um, look a lot, um, and Vietnam to different, you know, archives and museums. And um, I also read, I think, hundreds of, um, you know, fiction and nonfiction books about Vietnam. So I wrote this book as part of my MA in creative writing and finished as part of my, um, my PhD. So, um, so, so I think research is so important because I, I, I think the Thing that made a difference for me for this book, um, you know, are just the emotions when I heard the real life stories. And when I drafted uh, this book, you know, so I had no experience writing a novel before I started this. I was totally crazy, you know, because one day I decided I'm going to, you know, I was working on a novel, but it wasn't working out really well. And then one day I, I traveled with a friend in a car to go to self-defense class. So I asked him where he was doing the war and he told me about the bombings of Hanoi in 1972 when he was in Hanoi and his grandma, um, he was alone with his grandma in Hanoi. His parents had gone to Russia and his grandma protected him from the bombs. And his story was so moving to me that that night I came home and drafted, I wrote 2000 words that would become the first chapter of the mountain scene. But after that, I interviewed like 20 people, you know, who, who, who experienced the the Hanoi bombing so that I could uh, fiction, uh, fictionalize the details of their real life stories into that chapter. And so I, I wrote not knowing much what could happen to my characters, but my idea was to use, uh, you know, one family to represent Vietnam, to show how that family or Vietnam was divided by our historical events and how, it is diffi how difficult it is to reconcile and to come together after, after the war. And yeah, so, so, so I also created a big family because my intention is to use one member of a family uh, as a witness of a historical event. No, very good. And I think that, I think you've, you hit it, you know, right on is that the, there's nothing like hearing a story from someone who's lived through something or been through something. There's just that, there's that, that emotion, there's the emotion, there's just the intensity. There's nothing like it. I mean, you can watch something, you can learn about something, but unless you meet someone who's been through something, you know, this or anything like this, there's just no, there's no comparison in my, my opinion. Cause I've talked to veterans for, you know, and other people who've been through, you know, conflict and other things. And it's, you know, it's very, you know, it's captivating, you know, harrowing. It's a lot of words can be used to describe what that's like. Mm, you know, like, for example, um, one of the, I, I, I interviewed so many veterans in, for this move, uh, for, for this book. Um, if you have read the book, there is one chapter about Uncle Dad's journey through the war and, and, and how he, when the Agent Orange was sprayed onto his head and then he peed into a handkerchief to put against his nose. And this is a story told to me by my father's friend. 
you know. And and this man told me many years after the war, he did not dare to have kids because he was afraid his kids would be deformed. And, you know, he told me so many things. And, and I'm like, you know, every time I went back to Ho Chi Minh City, I had to see him. So I went back a few years ago and I asked my father to take him, me to his house. And my father said he died of cancer. And I, I really think that because of Agent Orange, you know, and, and there are like millions of people who are still living with the consequences. So, you know, in interviewing these these people, I, I was inspired. I felt compelled to write this book. So during my seven years drafting this book, I, there were many nights I didn't sleep really. And my, my, my husband said, this book is going to kill you. But you know, I, I had no choice but to write. You know, I felt like, you know, there were times during the evening, during the night, when I heard my characters calling, they said, you know, get up our stories cannot sleep, get up, get up and write. So, um, you know, so, you know, this is just a small part of our history. We have so many other parts that have not been documented. And, um, and, and, you know, we have so much to do. Yeah, I think that like is so, is so much work that putting in the book, because um, if any of the people in the audience have already read that, you would feel the thickness, not the thickness of the pages, but the thickness of knowledge and story and anecdotes, like putting in the book, there was so much. I feeling like I was reading the whole history of Vietnam and that, and many friends agree with me. Talking about that, um, did you, so we know that like in the book, Mai, you wrote about the French colonial time in Vietnam, you wrote about the Greek farming, uh, when the communist government took over and the Vietnam War happened. There was different period in the Vietnam history painted in the book. Did you research um, some periods more than other? And did you have any like favorite period of the Vietnam history that you wrote about or enjoy work writing about it in a book? Um, yeah, researching for this book was um, such an impossible task because there's, you know, like there have been so many history books, you know, about Vietnam, about these periods. And, but I, I think my main uh, purpose was to listen to oral stories and the, discover the untold stories of our history and to use fiction to kind of create a world of imagination. And I want to quote Ocean Vuong, and you definitely need to read Ocean Vuong on Earth, we are gorgeous. And Ocean said, um, writers of colors are normally uh, expected to be bridges that bring readers into a world of real life events. But we should be world builders, you know? So we build, so my research set the foundation of this book. So, you know, it's a garden. The research is the garden. I got soil for my research into the French uh, occupation of Vietnam, the Japanese uh, invasion, the land uh, reform, the great hunger, the Vietnam war and the war aftermath. And, um, and then, you know, out of that garden, I grew the Chan family and the characters. Um, to answer your question, I mean, my, I could not say that which, uh, I think the research into all the events were really difficult in the way that there was a lot of information. And, I, and it was um, more difficult to get a balanced perspective because a lot of history books from inside Vietnam, for example, are written from the propaganda point of view. So if I were to read, to write a book based on my research in Vietnam only, my book would be totally, totally different. So I wanted to, to give a chance for, for the perspectives of, of other people. So I also interviewed a lot of people who had left Vietnam, you know, to hear uh, stories from different, um, regions, different parts and different types of people. And also, um, I think uh, researching about the Vietnam War uh, was, was easiest because I ha still have many uh, people who, who, who still, you know, like uh, there are many people whom I could 
um, interview. And, um, but I think for me, the most important was to research about the land reform and about the great hunger, because these, these two events are rarely documented in, the, in fiction about Vietnam. And they just, you know, devastating. The horror is just, you know, unbelievable. So I focused a lot on, on, uh, on these events and it was difficult for me because these events are really emotional. My grandpa was killed because of the land reform and my grandma had died in the great hunger. And you know, three of my family members died in the great hunger. My, uh, my father's mother, her younger son and her brother. So I, you know, I did not know much about the great hunger when I researched for this book because it's rarely mentioned. But so I interviewed a lot of, of, of witnesses and I read books and I asked my father, you know, the things he could remember. And I, I, I just learned so much from, from writing this book. I learned about, you know, my family history, first of all, you know, there were so many things I did not know. And my parents did not tell me because they were difficult. And, and I'm thankful for learning how to become a writer so I could ask the right questions. And, and I think for all of you Vietnamese out there, you know, um, I know many of you have had conversation with your fa family members, your parents, your grandparents, and I would highly, you know, uh, encourage you to continue those conversations because, you know, our children and grandchildren need to carry the heritage of our stories so that they are not forgotten. No, I think no, that's very true. And I think you bring up another great point about history and that comes down to point of view. Every Whoever, whoever writes by history or, or teaches it or records it, it's going to have their own natural bias or it's going to be, you know, there's, there's so many different views to it, depending on who you talk to. And having majored in history myself, I think it's, it's very important that you reach out different sources from many different, er different areas and different perspectives to kind of get more of an eclectic or more comprehensive view of what happened. And um, that leads into the next next question. And this is also a question posed by um, one of our viewers tonight in that what was the hardest part um, in finishing uh, The Mountain Sing and why? And how did you overcome this, this obstacle? I had uh, so many challenges writing this book. I think the first is my English language because I learned English from the eighth grade and you know, and um, so, so, but I wanted to write in the way that preserved the Vietnamese culture, the Vietnamese traditions, because our language had lost so much due to colonization and had wanted to undo some of the loss. So I, you know, so um, yeah, so I, I had to find ways to express the Vietnamese way of thinking, Vietnamese emotion in English and, and in a way that it would not, you know, uh, sound funny to the to to the English native re, uh, speakers. Um, so I, I, you know, it was like the challenge was to to translate Vietnamese proverbs, and I spent months and months on it. And you know, like Thanh Ha Lai, Thanh Ha Lai, uh, you know, spent a lot of time reading, uh, helping me. And she's a great writer whom I highly recommend. She wrote Inside Out and Back Again, you know, a book of, uh, you know, it's all poetry. So she's a great poet. So, so like we did some charity work together in Vietnam, you know. Um, so that's why I, I said, you know, uh, can you help me with the proverb translation? So uh, another person who helped me with this is Paul Christensen, who lives in Vietnam. And actually, I'm working on a book of Vietnamese proverbs in English and Vietnamese because our proverbs are just so insightful. Another challenge would be how to, how to honor the, the memories of people, you know, people who told me their personal stories in the right way in this book. And when I was editing the book, I was going through all the research I had done. There were days I had a crisis because I had stacked of material I had collected and I was rereading and I'm like, 
how am I going to fit all of this in, you know? Because when you read your research notes, you like, this should go in, all of these statistics would go in, you know? Or this incredible story would be in, should go in because I would dishonor this person if I did not incorporate her story. But in the end, like Ocean Wong said, I had to be the world builder. I had to leave everything behind keep it as my understanding and build a completely fictional story, you know? So, so yeah, it was, it was a very, I don't know, uh, risky process <laughs> because uh, I felt like, you know, I, yeah, on one hand, I had done so much research. So that was an advantage, but it was also a disadvantage because it's scary to look over all of these notes and say, how, how am I going to do the right thing? You know, because historical fiction um, is, is a very, um, I don't know, tough subject. And, you know, when I started my writing career in Vietnamese, there were like many Vietnamese men who said, how can she write about this? She didn't live through the war. I mean, this is a topic of men. How can a woman who, who never fought in a war write about war? You know, like they was like, they brushed me aside. But, but I think anyone can write about anything with research, compassion and empathy. So yeah, so I think, uh, I think the thing that helped me most um, was um, the tears I saw on people's faces when they told me their stories, the look in their eyes, and how, uh, how they kept insisting that we should not forget these stories, that we should learn from mistakes our, from our past. And I think that the thing is, we, we keep repeating our, uh, the mistakes of our past, so that's really frustrating to me. Yeah, uh, great mind, uh, Miss Andrew Nguyen, which is a celebrity that we are really honored to have here today. Just uh, send you a message, damn those Vietnamese men critics, which is, it's funny on the side, but it's so true about a uh, real society in Vietnam, even to millennials growing up in Vietnam like me, girls are still believe that they are not, that's, that's a great boundary for things that girls can do and things that girls cannot do and they still have um, prejudice on that. Saying that, I uh, really appreciate that you share so much advice because in the group of guests that we have today, we have a good number of young Vietnamese who would love to become a writer later. They do have some question for you and you just actually answer one of the uh, question about a creative block and how, how to overcome that. The next question that we have from um, one of our audience is, um, which is great, uh, turning to the reader. What do you want the readers to gain from reading this book about Vietnam and the events that have shaped it in the last century? Or are there a list of specific things that you hope people will get out of it, reading it? Oh, um, before I answer your question, I want to acknowledge and say, what a great friend I am, a great fan I am to uh, Miss Andre Nguyen. Andre Nguyen, who's here today with us. She's the ambassador of Vietnamese culture. She is the greatest cook, uh, the greatest chef, an award-winning author of so, so many great books. So you, if you read my book, you know how important Vietnamese food is to our culture, our way of life. And I would encourage you to visit Miss um, T. Andrea's um, website and, uh, and Instagram because you can experience Vietnamese food in the authentic way. Um, yeah, so um, Vu, could you share the, the um, website of uh, Miss Andrea? Um, so she has so many wonderful recipes and her cookbook are just, uh, you know, amazing Vietnamese food any day. So um, you should check out her books and also her recipes. Um, yeah, so, um, so to, to answer your, so what was your question again? Sorry, I was so excited to, to talk about Chi Andrea. I forgot the question. Yeah, so the question that uh, the, one of the audience poses was, um, what do you want readers to gain 
from reading this book about Vietnam and the events that have shaped it in the last century? Mm. I think um, I love the readers to uh, gain more, uh, you know, like to, to look at Vietnam, not just as the Vietnam War, but look at Vietnam as Vietnam as a country full of his, you know, complex history, colorful culture, beautiful language, rich Vietnamese, to, uh, rich literary traditions, and also, um, you know, full of families who who love each other, um, you know, and and I could, you know, this book is not about Vietnam, but uh, about about, you know, uh, seeing uh, other people as humans, you know, appreciating the difficult history that all many of us have had to go through to, to be here today, to appreciate peace. And I mean, I would love for readers to do more for peace, to promote peace so that humans love humans more. And I hope that, you know, after reading the book, people would look at, you know, refugees, uh, you know, or people from other nations who are going through war differently. Um, one of my, my projects here in Indonesia has been teaching Afghan refugees, uh, a group of Afghan refugee, uh, um, how, how to, um, you know, write. And these girls, you know, I was stunned to find out that only 15% of Afghan women know how to read and write, only 15%. So under the Taliban regime, they are forbidden to go to school. So my, my, my students risk their lives escaping here to Indonesia where they are stuck in limbo. They don't have access. They don't have an ID card. They, they can't, um, you know, um, they can't work. So they are just waiting to be accepted by a third country. So, you know, many, there have been suicides in the community. Uh, a lot of them are depressed. So I wanted to give them hope. So I started this, this, uh, this project two years ago as a volunteer. And I've been working with them in putting together an anthology of their own writing. And I'm going to, you know, I want to sell it later on and raise funds and 100% goes to the, 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 the students to, to help with their education opportunities. But I wanted the world to know that when we move on with our lives, there are people fighting for a chance to have a normal life, you know, and we should not leave these people behind. Um, you know, there are so many refugees displaced and, and you know, they have nothing and even hope, they have so little hope and we need to do more to give people hope. No, I think that's that's so true. I mean, there's the human element and, you know, I think that the old adage, as long as there's hope, that's what's most important, but it still does not diminish the, you know, the sorrow and the heartache that so many people go through even today. And, you know, despite you know, the statistics are showing that the world is becoming a better place. It's still not a great place by any means, just by looking around. And um, that kind of leads into the next next question that we, that's been posed is, you know, and kind of kind of relates to what we've discussed a little bit as well. And that is what lessons can be taken from your book about the events that you've captured so well in this woven story? And how can this be used to aid future generations and their decision making? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't want to answer that question because I, I don't want to teach people something. I don't think I'm able to teach people something. You know, I just wanted to tell stories that need to be told. And I think it's up to the readers to interpret the book the way they see it. And I think when a book is out there, it has a life of its own. And I hope that any reader can regular, um, you know, like relate the book to their family experiences. And if it motivates them to talk more to their elders, to reach out to one person who needs help, uh, you know, I think it has been enough 
for me already. That would be the greatest blessing. Uh, I don't have any hope for politicians to read books because a lot of them don't read books unless they are wonderful people like Obama, right? Um, yeah, so um, my dream would be, you know, the leaders of my country to read this book, you know, because I think a lot of the time uh, politicians make decisions without thinking about it's the impact on civilians. I was having a conversation with a Vietnam War veteran the other day, and he said, the best way to prevent war is that all the decision makers who sign um, 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 you know, a decree or who, who decide on a war has to send one of their children to that war. So then the person would not decide in the same way. So I was stunned to find out that, you know, the American men who fought in the Vietnam War were normally people who were poor because like, you know, men at that time who could afford university could delay the, the draft so they didn't have to go to war. So the, the people who, who fought in Vietnam were black men, men of the poor family, Men, men who could not afford university. And one of the veterans told me, he, he, he thought that he was fighting for a good cause because of the propaganda by the American government at that time. But also he thought if he died, uh, the, the army would, would pay his mom some money so that she could buy a house. So, so I think although I am anti-war, but I, I'm really, I feel such compassion you know, towards the people who had to fight in the war, because there are just so many circumstances that made people go to war. And I think, you know, I just want more empathy and more, more, you know, compassion for everyone out there. We need to look at each other's circumstances more empathetic, uh, you know, more compassionately and, and listen to each other's stories. I think you don't have to tell the lesson, but uh, so many young people can learn from what you just said already. Um, I, would, I would agree. I think just the just people reading that, I think the message is very clear and just visualizing what people went through, I think is enough for a lot of people to say, oh, I never want to have to go through that myself. And that's a great comment you meant about you made about politicians. It's like, yeah, if, if they would have to send their children or if they themselves had to go be the implements of their own policies, I think you would see a lot of different, a lot, a lot of changes. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, with that, uh, we have so many questions still on the list, uh, both from us and from the audience. The audience sent you quite a lot of questions, Kwebai, to show them, um, show you the love. <laughs> However, we are on kind of a tight schedule. So I'm gonna jump the ship and move to the next part. Now, at the beginning, Sean has already um, informed everyone that we are having two gifts from Mitzkwe Mai for the special uh, edition of this event tonight. So we're going to come to the very first gift, which is I'm sure that it's going to have so much inspirational and spiritual value. So uh, let's see what's come next. Yeah, so Ms. Kimai, you're going, um, yeah, the first gift, as you mentioned to us, you have a poem you would like to read to us. And you um, you mentioned you're going to read the, po the poem in Vietnamese, and then I'm going to read it in English. Oh, yeah. So um, normally, you know, I've been promoting my, uh, my novel, but I rarely talked about my poetry book. It's called The Secret of Hoa Sen. And um, so I started my writing life as a poet. So let me read to you one of the poem, the uh, one of the poems in this book. Um, người làm vườn trong đại nội tặng những người dân Huế tiếng sét oàn thân cây người làm vườn miệt mài ươm từng mầm cỏ lũ nhấn chìm thành phố người làm vườn miệt mài ươm từng mầm cỏ hoa đại trắng trên tóc ông bạc hoa phượng đỏ bên áo ông phai hoa sen hồng dưới bàn tay thô giáp những chiều đại lụi tàn 
người làm vườn miệt mài ươm từng mầm cỏ trên những chiều vua đã đổ mồ hôi người vươn lên tươi xanh It's very beautiful yeah thank you I'm going to go ahead and now read the um, English translation of the poem. The uh, poem is called The Gardener in the Royal Citadel. And this is for the people of Hue, which is the ancient imperial capital in Vietnam, uh, Vietnam's ancient citadel. So it, it proceeds as thunder bends tree trunks. The gardener engrosses himself in sowing each seed of grass. Temptists sing, sink the city. The gardener engrosses himself in sowing each seed of grass. Plumeria flowers are white around his gray hair. Flamboyant flowers red alongside, alongside his faded shirt. Lotus flowers pink under his cracked hands. Royal courts decline. The gardener engrosses himself in sowing each seed of grass. On the collapsed royal dynasties, the sweat of humans rises from their ashes. So I wrote this poem when I saw um, a gardener working at the Royal Citadel in Hue, Vietnam, you know. Um, so then the, that's, I, I wanted to talk about, the, uh, you know, the, the work of the manual laborers in Vietnam um, on the collapsed royal dynasties, the sweat of humans rises from the ashes. You know, so through our history, the history of Vietnam, um, you know, it's the resilience and hard work of the Vietnamese people that made us survive. And I mean, Vietnamese people are just the hardest working people on this earth. <laughs> you know, you know, we work all the time and we, we, we can't help but working because, you know, we have survived our past working also i just passed the link of my book the secret of hasan to um you know in into the link in case you want to check it out or i think your library should also have a copy all right well thank you very much for that and that was a very beautiful poem and it has a very deep um you know deep deep res resonating you know character to it and as you've characterized but kind of like as things, you know, things rise and fall, but things can, but things, life goes on, you know, countries continue, th people continue on. 